0: Always go for the thrill. Buy low, sell high. That's the only Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you Investors Edge with Gary Caldbaum. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877 747 edge That's 877 747 Here is your host, Gary Caldbaum. And welcome once again to Investors Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Fulton, who's out today. Today is Friday, April 12, 2019. We have a great show for you tonight. want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, Before we jump into the show, I just want to let you know as a quick overview, if you don't get this show in your city, please go to GaryK.com. You can listen live or archive. Uh, we're live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also at GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can also subscribe to Gary's uh, morning notes and read the rest of the commentary that's published uh, throughout the week, which is fantastic. Uh, you also email him, ask about the other services that he offers, and sign up to one of my personal favorite readings is the Conviction Leaders Report, which Gary publishes several times a week. There's a weekend report and then intra week updates as needed. He just had a really uh, few really good calls recently in a few very well-known stocks, and he just does a really good job of keeping his finger and, of course, your finger on the pulse of the market. And as things change, he's not shy, he's not bashful. He'll tell you what is going on and what to expect. So it's a really good service, and uh, yeah, you can sign up for it, take a free trial. The first month is free on convictionleaders.com, or you can go to GaryK.com and click on the big banner that says Conviction Leaders. On to today's show, we've got several important things to discuss the in no particular order we're going to officially we've kicked off earnings season so we'll go through the companies that have reported and let you know a few well-known companies that are coming out next week so you have a good game plan for what to expect there's hundreds of companies that are going to be reporting so we're going to touch on a few of them we'll talk about the big news from disney and then what that means for netflix and other live streaming apps if you will or just streaming content apps or companies amazon as well as a little bit impacted with their amazon prime service and i'll go into that in depth later and then we'll talk about leading stocks the market and then some divergences we're seeing under the surface uh Also, touch on Boeing and and what may be happening there, and of course, the big uh, merger of the day was Chevron with uh, buying APC, but we'll get into all that later. But first, um, let's – actually, before we even do the market wrap, you know what we should do? Let's talk about earnings. We're in the middle of earnings season. Well, sorry, we're in the beginning of earnings season. Before we get into the middle of earnings season, it's important to just stop for a second and a bird's-eye view on what earnings are, what they mean for investors, and where most investors or traders just trip up, in my opinion, in my experience. So what happens is the market, by definition, ladies and gentlemen, is a forward-looking mechanism. And what that means in plain English is expect what's happening next. It looks forward. The problem most people have is that they love analyzing data, whether it's the charts, it's the latest economic report, in this case, earnings. Whatever the data is, it tells you what already happened, and that's by definition in the past. So right away, you can somewhat thrown off or you're looking you're focusing on the wrong thing i'm a big fan of all data i'm not discouraging anybody from doing anything i want to be very clear but just this is to help what helped me tremendously which i'm sharing with you a little nugget of wisdom that i wish somebody would have told me way back when is to learn how to look forward you know look at the chart the only place to make money in the chart is to the right side of the last pick that's it whatever happened in the past the left side of the last tick is great it's fine and dandy it's very important i'm not discounting charts at all all i'm just saying is learn how to use them Looking forward, because where you make money is going on the right side of the chart, not the left side. So that's the first thing. The second thing, when you look at earnings, and earnings are coming out in droves. We've got today several big banks. We can talk about them uh, a little bit later, but JP Morgan was up nicely all day today after reporting numbers there. Wells Fargo, well, it's ticker symbol for JP Morgan's JPM. Wells Fargo was down about almost 3%. WFC is the uh, ticker there after reporting numbers. So it was a good start. J.P. Morgan's getting all the headlines, but under the surface, which is my job here to go through it and help bring some things to your attention that, quote-unquote, everyone else isn't really talking about, uh, Wells was down. Now, of course, Wells has played because their CEO just recently resigned and they had some other issues. and They're still dealing with the, the scandal and some other issues, but it's a fantastic company, and the brand is there, and they're doing their best turn. Things around from a PR standpoint. Of course, Buffett's a larger shareholder, and he still stands by them. So it's good enough for Buffett. It's good enough for uh, me. On that note, um, the point that I want to drive home here, ladies and gentlemen, is when you look at earnings, look what how the stocks react to the numbers. You know, Gary talks about this a lot, and it's not so much oh well, the stock was you know earnings were up X percent or down X percent or whatever the case may be. If you study earnings, you study the leading stocks, meaning the strongest performing stocks, month after month, year over year, quarter over quarter, whatever time frame you want. The correlation, the correlation, excuse me, isn't. 1-1, one, one. meaning you can have stocks that are up and up fantastic numbers, up 200%, 300%, up 50 80 100% for the year, and they have crummy earnings. Now, that doesn't mean I'm recommending people to go out and buy stocks with crummy earnings, not at all, no way, shape, or form, but just understand there's more than meets the eye. So when you go through earnings over the next few weeks, ask yourself, what does this mean for the stock going forward? Can, this, can earnings grow because investors pay up for growth? And more importantly, how, what are the big money, and how does stock react to the numbers, but what are the big investors, the big money, what are they doing? Forget what they're saying. What are they actually doing? And the way you can see that is how the stock trades after, not just the first day, but the few days, if not a few weeks, after earnings. So if you see a big gap up on earnings, and then all of a sudden the stock gets sold off and the gap's closed either the same day or a few days later, that tells you it's not really a good sign. Now, if you step back and you look at a big gap up after a long consolidation and it closes in the upper half of the range and a heavy volume and things look great, all things being equal, that's probably going higher in the long term. Now, in the short term, of course, it's extended, it could go back, all that fun stuff, but you know, just try to think a little bit differently when you look at earnings. Don't get caught up in the crowd. Don't get caught up in group think and and think like everybody else. The independent thinker is rewarded on Wall Street. Let me repeat that. The independent thinker. And I don't mean independent thinking just wild thoughts. No. I mean being able to use the information better than everybody else. That's the key differentiator between great traders and everybody else. The great ones are independent thinkers, and they're able to take all of the information that we all have access to, but they use it better than everyone else. And after studying these guys and gals over and over and over again, the one thing that they have in common is they look forward. So That's kind of the big message I want to just drive home or share with you before we get into the details and the minutiae with respect to the actual numbers and how the stocks perform and and the nitty-gritty. But just high-level thinking to start off the show, we're beginning earnings season so far. We've had a few big companies that have reported numbers. You know, Delta had reported a few days ago. Stock's up nicely in the last week and a half or two weeks now. It's still in the long trading range on a weekly basis. Ticker symbol there is DAL. But if it gets going here, it doesn't have that much more overhead resistance, if you will. You can go back and look. You've got a few high points that you want to take out, but 2018's high. For Delta, and that's about it. After that, it's, it's off to the races for a while. So that's a, a bullish pattern within a longer side of race consolidation. Short term, very extended. No, it's not a recommendation to buy anything. It's just sharing some of the thoughts, I, some of the things that I see on a day to day basis with you. The next uh, big one that reported this week was JP Morgan. That was today. That also gapped up nicely on numbers, also on volume. The stock was at about 5% or about 5 bucks, and it's right around $111. Now, what happens here with JP Morgan, they did very well with their commercial bank and the consumer side of it. And that's good because JP Morgan has a uh, A tremendous network and tremendous reach within the overall economy. So the presumption is is what's good for the big banks is good for the economy. So when you have a situation where JP Morgan gaps up and gaps up nicely, that's good. But we want to continue to watch these financials. Because over the next week or so, you're going to have a lot of other big banks reporting and also the small regional ones can report as well. So we want to see how they react to the numbers. That being said, Wells Fargo, the one that we briefly touched on earlier, had a tough day. The stock is down about 2.5%, a little over 2.5%, right near $46.50, right around that range. It's just been underperforming. And when you have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at WFC on a relative basis and look at the XLF, look at the QQQ, look at the SPY, look at the DIA. These are all different indices that you can follow. And sectors like the, the XLF, the financials, the QQQs, the NASDAQ 100, you can see that this stock is underperforming. That's what we call poor relative strength. So when you step back, you want to be able to isolate those weak, the weaker stocks because you don't really want to be inter- interacting with those as much as you want with strength because the strong ones continue to go. Remember, strength begets strength and weakness begets weakness. So, we're still early in earnings season. So far, so good. We have a few other ones we can report on, but the big picture here, the two big ones I want to cover today, jp Morgan, Wells Fargo, and then earlier in the week, we had Delta as the big ones. But again, look forward, not backward. That's a big message. Up next, we'll talk a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Okay, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Kultbom. It doesn't get better than this. Welcome once again to Investors Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan and for Gary Culpom. In case, you just missed any, or in case you're just joining us or you missed any part of the show, you can go to GaryK.com and either listen live or archive, and you can pause the show, rewind it, fast-forward, and all that fun stuff. So if I go fast at a fast rate, I do want to mention that I'm doing that because there's a lot of ground to cover. So um, if you missed anything, by all means, go to GaryK.com. Later tonight or over the weekend, and you can listen to the show and pause it, rewind it, fast-forward, and all that fun stuff. Now, we uh, spent the first part of the show going over earnings season. We spoke about a few of the stocks, JP Morgan specifically, Wells Fargo, we mentioned, Delta, uh, Boeing is also turning around. Out of those three stocks, I mean... Or four stocks. You've got a big portion of the move today. Let's talk about the market wrap. We'll jump right into it. The Dow was up 269 points. Strong cl- strong day, up about a percent. Close at 26,412. The S&P 500, up 19 points to 29,07. NASDAQ Composite was up 36 points to 79,84. And the Russell 2000 was up about uh, 5 and 3 quarters points to 1585. The VIX fell 8% and <laughs> closed at 1196 And remember, just quickly on the VIX, the VIX is a very good fear index, so it does a great job of measuring measuring downside volatility and not a good job of measuring upside volatility. Now, a few things uh, beneath the surface. Let's talk about United Health. United Health was down over 5%, and that whole group has just been getting whacked. So it's, again, look at the relative strength basis. When you have a chance, look at a one-year daily chart of UNH. Look at Wells Fargo, WFC. And you can go on and on. You just... It stands out like a sore thumb. One's going down, the market and lots of other leading stocks are going up. And you ask yourself, which one do you want to own? And that's why we look at leadership and and isolate the strength at all times for you. Now, outside of UNH, we spoke about Boeing briefly coming back around. It's 200-day moving average. I I get a lot of questions about Boeing. And the 200-day moving average, which is right around 361 right now, or just under 361, is support. If that level's taken out, then we have to expect the stock to fall down to the low 300s. If not... The resistance area, the place that has it's hit a wall over the last few weeks since that news re- came, report came out back in early uh, March, about a month ago, the resistance area for Boeing is a 50-day moving average, and that's right under 400, uh, 398, let's call it, which is 397, 92, for those of you that want to be exact, but right on 398. So if it can break above 398, it's going, most likely going higher, retest the old highs the old chart highs, excuse me, near 446. If it takes the 200-day moving average near 361, be careful because it's probably going to go lower to the 300s. Until then, we have to expect the sloppy, sideways range-bound action to continue. But it's a big component. So when it moves, like today, it was up almost 10 points, or 2.5%, that adds a lot of points to the Dow. JP Morgan, same thing. When it moves, it moves, it adds a lot of points. So even though we are up big, under the surface, realize it was a handful of stocks. Now, earnings. Let's get back to earnings season. Oh, well, it's a weekend review, too. So the end of the week, as you know, I like to look at the market and say, what happened this week? Well, on a weekly chart, if you take a look at all the major indices one by one, it's a bullish week. And now we're officially within, I would say, arm's length, if you will, of 2018's all-time high, which means the entire decline in Q4 of last year is almost erased. That is impressive. So keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. The two biggest macro you know, themes, if you will, are the two biggest things that weighed on the market back in Q4. One was a hawkish or aggressive Fed and two was the threat of a slowing economy. Now, for all intents and purposes, those two things have really been isolated, if not removed. Meaning, the Fed has moved back to being easy money or into a, a dovish stance, and the slowing economy. We're starting to see signs that hey, the economy might not this is the global economy that is may not be slowing as fast as everybody was had had thought or had feared. And that those for those two reasons, you see a big rebound in the market. So. For now, in the short term, I'd be remiss not to note that we are extended to the upside and due to pullback, and this could be a logical area here since we're flirting with 2018's high, and we've had just a virtual just straight up over the last several weeks. So a pullback to the 50-day would be somewhat normal and expected, but if we don't, then we're likely to take out 2018's high and hit new record highs again. And then Q4 sell-off will just be like a reset, which happened briefly in the summer of 98 when long-term capital management failed in the Asian financial crisis. And then that led to, boom, a massive rally in 99 ending in March of 2000. And that also happened briefly in the late 20s and a few other times along the way. So these steep, short, you know, 20% pullbacks or corrections or mini bear markets or whatever you want to use to describe it within a longer-term bull market have occurred before and tends to be bullish for the market because it resets, at least in the short term, a lot of the uh, fatigue that it set in going into early, the first half of 2018. Now, uh, intermediate long-term, I would say support, major support would be December's low of last year. If that's taken out, I mean, that's a big long-term picture, then we'd have to expect the conversation to shift completely and back into a more dovish, excuse me, a more bearish camp and the potential for a real bear market to unfold. Until then, you know, we've got lots of other areas of support too to watch along the way. You can go look at the 50-day moving average, the 200-day moving average. You can use some of the uh, recent lows, March low, for example. And then uh, December's low is areas to watch on the way down. But intermediate, long-term, nothing bad to say, as long as the market continues acting the way it does. And near-term resistance, of course, would be the 2018 highs. But outside of that, the bullish tailwind continues. For those of you that have been listening over the last several weeks, I mean, Buffett talked about that with the great American tailwind, so my play on that is the bullish tailwind for the market. Now, earnings. So let's go back to earnings. So for the market, things are in good shape. Short-term, the market's extended. Intermediate, long-term, things look fine. Now, earnings. Next week... We've got Monday morning: Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Charles Schwab. I've got, let's see here, a bunch of others, but I don't want to go to spend too much time going through everything. Let's just say focus on. I'm gonna be. I'll be focusing on those in the afternoon. We've got JB Hunt ticker symbol JBHD, Pinnacle Financial PNFP. It's a financial, so I like to watch it. And then that's it for Monday. Tuesday, before the open, we've got Bank of America, United Health, Johnson and Johnson, BlackRock, and Progressive. A few other ones as well, but those are the big ones I'll be watching. And then after the close, on Tuesday, we'll be looking at Netflix, IBM, CSX, United Continental, Interactive Brokers, and United Financial, Smaller Bank, but UBNK. So i would be watching those. That's Monday, Tuesday. The rest of the week, we've got a whole bunch more coming out. And there's the music. So up next, we'll keep going through this, and we'll get to a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor You're listening to America is talking. Investor's Edge. you got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella a boy. With Gary Colbomb. I'm highly recommended. You're going to feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Starrman. And for Gary Colbomb, He's out today. In case you're just joining us, you can go to GaryK.com and listen to the show. Any portion that you missed, as a quick recap, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices and talking about earnings. Uh, we were going through the calendar and had mentioned a few of the big companies that are reporting earnings. We ended off with Tuesday afternoon, quickly to finish the week next week. It's a big week. Wednesday morning, we have Morgan Stanley, Abbott Labs, Bank of New York, and Kansas City Southern, Are they going to be the ones that I'll be watching. And then on after the close, we have Acoa, United Rentals, Kinder, Morgan, we've got E-Trade, Las Vegas Sands, and... I guess a few others, but those are the big ones I'll be watching. And then Thursday morning, I'm sorry, that was for uh, Thursday. Friday morning, we've got, let's see here one second. Yeah, just make sure I give you correct information. So let's go back to Thursday. That was Wednesday, so Thursday-ish, it's quiet. And then Friday, we've got some more earnings. I, I would take my time, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a big week coming up next week, and we've got a situation where there's a lot of companies reporting earnings. And this time next week, we'll have a much clearer picture of where the market is. How the market reacts to those earnings is really important for me. Netflix will be reporting next week and that will be after the close on Tuesday I believe it is and we confirm that yes it'll be after the close on Tuesday and they're expected to report earnings of 57 cents revenue of 4.49 billion now why is Netflix specifically in focus because the big news today came from Disney when they reported Disney Plus a new streaming service which is going to allow everybody who wants to stream their content to watch their their shows to stream it for only six ninety nine or $7. That's half of the price of Netflix, more or less. Talk about a competitive environment. Disney's library, we all know it, huge. They just recently won the battle, or the war with Comcast, to buy Fox's assets. And now we know why they bid so aggressively for it. Because their streaming service, B2C is what they call the business to consumers, is, they're going directly to the consumer, is, could be a game changer, it's huge. So the fact that Disney's now entering the market, one would expect Netflix stock to fall, has a big competitor, and of course, Netflix stock did fall today, about 4.5%, down $16.50, broke the 50-day moving average, has been moving sideways for a long time. The stock is forming, I don't want to say, a, um, I guess, a, a big head-and-shoulders pattern, not topping pattern, but just a head-and-shoulders consolidation pattern or continuation pattern probably is a better way of wording it. I Meaning you get a left-shoulder, a little bottom, and a little right-shoulder. doesn't mean much from a technical standpoint until you break out above the neckline or the the, the recent highs near 386 to three. Yeah, I'd probably say 386 to 390-ish in that range. If Netflix can break above there, that would bode very well for the stock and allow it to go back and retest the old chart highs. But Netflix now is a problem. You know, what are they going to do? They have a major competitor, a formidable competitor, entering the the arena, so to speak. Amazon's another competitor. Amazon Prime, you can stream a lot of movies, a lot of content. Amazon stock was down fraction. I mean, it was break-even today. I, I wouldn't even call it down that much. It was down a point. It's an $1,800 stock. So it, it was not so much... It wasn't impacted as much, largely because Amazon's profits the bulk of the profits don't come from their streaming services. If anything, the streaming is just an add-on bonus to get eyeballs. So, I mean, obviously they make a lot of money from the Prime and the, and the streaming, but it's not, a, uh, it's not the core revenue driver or you know, earnings driver like it is for Netflix. So that's why we saw Netflix's stock down as much as it was. It'll be very interesting to see what Netflix does in response. I'm surprised Disney didn't just buy Netflix, to be 100% honest with you, because they could take their Netflix's library and then combine it with Disney's and then really have a powerhouse and, and then also control the market and charge whatever they want. But I'm not Bob Iger, I'm not on the board of Disney, and I'm not the decision makers over there. So they chose to do what they did and I'm sure it's a, um, it's a very – having young kids myself, it's a very, very smart decision. and It's a very lucrative arena to enter because the young kids in today's day and age, even though we limit the screen time, they just love Disney content love it they love the parks we take them there all the time they love the characters they love the stories they love the movies they love the cartoons they love the whole thing so and a lot of adults love disney also so it's one of those things where you've got a massive it's just a way to monetize their library and in perpetuity by the way that 6.99 is a monthly subscription that lasts forever for as long as you decide to consume that content for as long as you want entertainment in your house for the you know any time of day for seven bucks a month it's a no-brainer it's a very very smart decision on their part, and it's a very good way for them to leverage long-term their their library because they have a lot of content that traditionally they were paid a lot of money for by companies like Netflix, for example. Years ago, a lot of Disney content showed up on Netflix or on other cable companies to rebroadcast their shows. I mean, that was their business model. But now they're going directly to the consumer, which is a big paradigm shift, and you're going to see some other people follow as well. But I mean, Universal, Comcast owns Universal, and they've got a lot of characters as well and a lot of content, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I'm sure that when they were bidding against each other, they both had similar interests or hopes. Maybe Comcast buys Netflix, who knows? But Apple just launched their streaming service as well, or or discussed it, rather, and it's in the news, and Apple has really struggled to to make it big with their Apple TV. I mean, they've had it for a while. It never caught on. You know, one of my best friends has it, loves it, swears by it. I've tried it many times at his house, and I just can't seem to get it, so to speak, and it doesn't make sense. I understand it. I, I I like it, I have nothing against it, but it just hasn't caught on mainstream. So maybe Apple buys Netflix. The point is, is that Disney's entering this arena. The subscription model, the membership model is a very, very lucrative business. I know that from my own, from my own investments on the side in private companies, that the membership model is a very, very lucrative business when you're able to provide value. People last and they stay. And there's everybody wins. Disney wins and, and the consumer wins. So that's the big news from Disney, and of course how that impact impacted the market. Disney stock, big gap up there, to a new high. And if you remember years ago, the stock was in trouble. I mean, back in 2016, it fell pretty hard. You had uh, from 15, the high was 122. It fell all the way down to 86 back when ESPN had the problem with their subscriber base and people just got nervous with Disney. And then, of course, very quickly, the stock had rebounded. By the end of the year in 16, the stock was all the way back up to 106. And then it was flat more or less for most of 17 and 18. And then now it's gapping up to new all-time highs. The annual chart of Disney looks fantastic. So you had a little three-and-a-half or four-year consolidation here, and this is a breakout to a new high. So... What it means going forward, time will tell. I mean, the short term, obviously, the stock is somewhat extended due to pullback, but um, intermediate and long term, the company is very, very well positioned to continue to grow and they're doing a very good job on multiple fronts. Now, next, let's talk about, let's see here how much time we have left. Okay, so we've got Disney, we've got J.P. Morgan, we've talked about Wells Fargo, we've talked about Oh, the, the, well, let's talk about transport. So the transportation stocks, IYT, when I was on the show a few weeks ago, we spoke about that. It was coming up the right side, had acted well. The transportation stocks, a nice little leg higher this week, but you can look at a daily chart for the IYT or you can look at a weekly chart. And why is that important? Because just like the financials, the financials, the XLF, the transportation, stock. by the way, the financials broke out this week also, closed in the middle of the range where the IYT closed the upper half of the range, but that larger can be because of weakness in Wells Fargo and a few other ones. But um, the financials and the transportation stocks both broke out this week. And that bodes well for Main Street and for Wall Street. Remember, as the economy grows, more things are moving in the economy. That bodes well for the transportation stocks because they move stuff. When the economy slows, all things being equal, transportation volume decreases. And money centers, the financials, the banks, they tend to do well when the economy is humming and and growing. And they tend to do not as well when things are slowing down for obvious reasons. So as a good proxy for the economy, I always like to look at the financials and the transportation stocks because it gives you a good gauge on what is happening for for Main Street. And of course, you can look at the staples, by the way. There's a lot of other ones you can use as well. And the staples is the XLP, which are consumer staple stocks. That's about to break out to a new high. And you can look at – I mean, there's, there's lots of other ways to gauge the economy. I don't want you to think that transports and the financials are the only two ways. But it's a very good sign to see for both Main Street and Wall Street to see both the transports and the financials breaking out tandem on a, uh, a weekly basis. Up next, we're going to talk individual stocks and some sectors, and some more news. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one only Investor's Edge. You're listening to... What are we for? What for? One, two, ready, go. Action! Investor's Edge with Gary Coulper. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan. In for Gary Coulper, who's out today. In case you're just joining us, if you missed any part of the show, you can listen live or archive or on demand. You can pause the show rewind it. Fast forward on GaryK.com. We spent the first part of the show going over the major indices, and then we spoke about some sectors, covered a lot of ground about earnings. And now we've got a few minutes left here. Let's talk about some news, some sectors, and some stocks. So just to finish the Netflix thought here because we spoke about Disney+, Plus, some after-hours news, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings to depart Facebook board of directors. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings will not be nominated for re-election at the company's 2019 annual stakeholders, stockholders' meetings, Facebook said on Friday. Hastings has served on the board of Facebook since 2011. Facebook said it was also uh, not be re-nominating a few other people, or I guess two other people, someone at PayPal. And um, that's it, unrelated. Yeah, so just making sure we're, we're good. So Reed Hastings, for whatever reason, we'll find out later, I'm sure, will not be nominated to be re-elected. He had a good run. It's been there since 2011, so that's a good run. Now... Uh, Other news that came out today, Alan Greenspan, the former head of the Central Bank, came out and said the economy will start, quote-unquote, very dramatically – sorry, will start to slow or fade very dramatically because of entitlement burden. So Greenspan, who's a very high-level thinker, is concerned about the entitlement programs that we all have and what the impact will be on the economy. So he's somewhat bearish on the economy. We'll see what happens. He's had some really good calls in the past. And he's had some doozies. So we take everything, or as the, we said at the beginning of the show, independent thinking, take the information and, and draw your own conclusions with all information that comes to you. At least that's what I like to tell people to do. Uh, a few other things. President Trump's announced a new initiative for 5G, which is the faster version of 4G for the internet, for the uh, mobile phones and the data, the way the internet, you know, you can access the internet and access your email and all the other smart options in the smartphone these days. That's um That's coming from President Trump. So that should help the 5G race. And it'll be interesting to see from a consumer standpoint, from all of us, what all of that means on a day-to-day basis, how we use our smartphones more and more. I mean, a lot of people are using their smartphones as, instead of laptops now. you know, just, what, 5, 10, 15 years ago, almost unheard of to do a third of the things that you can do now on your smartphone that people take for granted. So it'll be very interesting going forward to see what that happens and what that means. Now, a few other things, sectors, as we're wrapping up here, we've got uh, – we spoke about the transports. We spoke about the financials. The housing stocks, XHB. Housing stocks have had a nice comeback rates have come down. Uh, recently, the bond yields, you know, treasury rates, that was big a few weeks ago, but those have eased the pressure from the bond market. And over the last few months, the housing stocks have done done well, and they've, they're have they rallying back and rallying back nicely here. In the short term, they're extended and due to pull back a little bit, but something definitely to watch. The biotech sector, the group is IBB, is the ticker that, one of the tickers that follows the biotechs, has been moving sideways for the last few months and nothing really going on. But you also have that head and shoulders type pattern, meaning you had a left shoulder, from November to December-ish, you have the big sell-off in December, then you have the low there, which is the head, and then the right shoulder, all the action since that little recovery back in uh, since January. And if this takes out, I would say, probably 116 area, you, that's more or less the neckline, and if it does take that on the upside, probably expect another leg higher. If it rolls over, support here near-term would be probably 106 area, the 105 area, somewhere in that range, yeah, I'd probably say 105, 106 then we have to expect lower prices to follow. But until then, the biotech is moving sideways. The healthcare sec- stocks, or XLV, also under some pressure here. But you have a nice little downward trend line. If it can go and break out above 92 or 93, probably expect to take out and test 2018 highs. But the action there is not the best. And we spoke about UNH earlier being down down big today. And a lot of other stocks in, in that group aren't acting as well. Hence, uh, me discussing them now at further detail for you. And that's that's more or less the uh, the highlight. A few other IPOs and just other stocks to watch. Uh, some leadership people, leadership, leadership, leadership. Gary does a great job outlining leadership for uh, the readers at convictionleaders.com. Again, if you want a free 30-day trial, you can check it out. Uh, ZS is Zscaler. That's one that had a really good good move over the last year and change, or year, a little bit longer since it's come public. Uh, ticker symbol ZS. It's consolidated nicely above its 50-day moving average. Levi's just recently came public, and that's trading all over the map. It's got a little IPO base-ish forming, but um, ish is, is more of the, of the operative part of that word, because it's just all over the map. There's nothing really going on. Gapped up a few days ago on earnings, and then it's right back down again. So give it some time. This thing needs to get above, I would say, the recent high of 24 and change, 24.19. But it needs time. These new IPOs that come out, look at Lyft, Gary talked about this at length. LYFT stock came out the first day it started trading eighty eight sixty. It's now down to fifty nine. Fitbit, another one, this thing came out at in twenty fifteen It hit a high of fifty one dollars and ninety cents. Stock is trading at five dollars and seventy one cents. All these years later. So be, and at the time I was actually I was on Fox with Barney uh, talking about Fitbit. He was asking me about what I think about. it. I said stay away because it needs time. It's very easy to get caught up, ladies and gentlemen, with these hot IPOs. Uber was in the news yesterday with the hundred billion dollar valuation. The company loses money. Same with Lyft, they lose money. So be very careful where you put your money. You put your money, and I'd be careful getting sucked into the hype because most of the time these new quote unquote hot IPOs aren't as hot once they're actually they come public. <laughs> Meaning that they, the reality of the numbers ultimately sets in. Maybe it goes higher for a little bit. And that's fine, but it, it takes time. Growth, maturity. Think of it. Give these hot IPOs, quote unquote, quote unquote hot, give these IPOs time to test themselves in the market and see what the market says. And please believe me, if it's going to turn into a Shopify, S H O P, where it shoots up and it's a great IPO, you'll know it, and you'll have multiple times to buy it. Unfortunately, it's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you very much for being here. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investors Edge. Have a great weekend. This clean edit of Investors Edge created by Stu Landers. Follow me at twitter.com slash s-t-o-o-l-a-n-d-e-r.